On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. is Angelique and I'm here with my co-host tattoo future model husband tech guy and all that and uh, John C. Luna John and my C. titles Luna. keep changing every show every week but it just means we're really busy and very creative so well, of course because mine's is just simple certified kink educator entertainer tantra practitioner tantra practitioner and spiritual worker and so. coach Coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do too many things. But we have a fun, fun guest today. I am so happy that Miss Amy Taylor reached out to us. Hey, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Good. Tell us about, Good to be about your whole resume and things because I'm, I'm reading and I'm like, I'm not going to do any justice. I know she'll do better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm jack of all trades, master of none, right? So, um, yeah, I've done some stuff um if you follow my instagram i've done some modeling been on the covers of lots of stuff and maxims and fhms and playboys um been inside sports illustrated um plastered my half naked self all over and in kind in lots of stuff you can see all that on the old social media um and i did that part-time always while going to school so yeah i went to under i uh, studied science in undergrad found out I didn't really like working in science. So then I went to business school, got a graduate degree. That was helpful. But the core, I found being a, a freelance on my own was much more fun than being a corporate person after trying the corporate world once, didn't really like it. So, um, and then uh, I was flying planes for a hobby while I was working in the corporate world, found out I really loved that. So I decided to get a bunch more pilot licenses, commercial licenses, instructor licenses, couple type ratings. And uh, so I also fly planes and I teach people to fly planes, um, which is really fun. It's the um, world's beautiful from above. You don't see you don't see the problems. You just see the beauty. So I think that's probably why I like that. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so I do lots of stuff. And then um, all of that stuff is fueled by my main consistent gig, which is that I am a companion to a small group of wealthy men who um, want to date and uh, want to share life together and do not mind providing for the women that they care about. So that's what I do. Awesome. Um, well, every time I hear the word companion, I autom- I'm, uh, ah, automatically think Firefly Anera. Yes. That's what I think when people say companion, because that's what she did. And she always went to all these fancy parties. So I'm guessing it might be similar that you get to go to these nice parties and events or just quiet night at the fireplace eating food. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, some of the stuff is fancy. Um, some of it's real fancy. I will miss, I will miss it when it ends. Um, <laughs> you, you have to remind yourself that that's their world, not mine. Um, sometimes it's not fancy. It could be like Netflix and ordering Shake Shack or pizza, you know, Postmates. Um, while these gentlemen are wealthy that I've known over the many years, they, they often live normally too. They just want to, like I said, Netflix and pizza. Um, but sure there's, 
there's the yeah i think the the private jet stuff is the part i'm gonna miss the most that's really nice <laughs> and uh uh it's a neat peek into their world it's not that their lives are problem free it's that the the they don't have the problem of lack of luxury let's say so that part is fascinating that's probably i think the world is probably fascinated with companionship because of that you're basically talking about good looking women and wealthy men and who's not fascinated by either of those things because you're peering into their world and and maybe that's fascinating for me to peer into their world it probably is sure um but their lives are not problem free they just uh their lives aren't perfect despite what maybe people would think if they're envious or fascinated um but yeah parties sure like galas opening nights of opera ballet museums restaurants um sporting events yeah you go to that stuff sure it's fun (laughs) it's fun do you often see yourself like also part therapist too because you're listening to them, also cuddling them, holding them, because I know there's professional cuddlers because some people miss the touch. Yes. Oh, I think that professional cuddling thing is fascinating. Like, um, I've seen some, yes. I mean, okay, so we can talk about the human touch. And, yeah, people go straight for, like, sexual stuff, you know, strippers and lap dances and all that stuff. Great, sure, people need that too. But, yeah, you'd be surprised, like, what a back scratch can do for a person who's got a migraine and a lot of stress from running a bunch of companies like, (laughs) and, and listening and our world is so distracted. Now I think I'm probably in the business of just listening a lot because nobody listens to anybody anymore. And how sad it is that people will pay for that. There's maybe something's wrong with the world that people are so desperate to be seen and heard. Um, and yeah, therapists, I, I, you know, I'm not qualified for that. I'm not a doctor. I'm in no position to do that professionally. But again, just seeing somebody and paying attention to them can do wonders for someone's soul. Sometimes, ironically, some of the ones I've known for over a decade are therapists to me when I have problems. The relationships are absolutely real, even in the confines that either party has the right to leave whenever they want and that we are not going to run away together. And that there is the the requirement that they help support me. What they're really just doing is liberating my time so that I'm available on their schedule. Because if I had a bunch of jobs, our schedules would never match. That's what they're paying for. Um, but yes, therapy for sure. I I think it's I think you're right that it's part therapy. I think it's also part art. Mm-hmm. And by art, I mean you're sticking your neck out and doing something creative and vulnerable. And somebody's going to like it and somebody else is really not going to. That's what I mean by art. I don't mean painting or sculpting. Um, But I view it as kind of an art and there's people that respond to it and are evangelically into it and it sort of saves them and they love it. Those are usually my clients and my colleagues. And then there's people who really vehemently detest it. And I think a lot of art is like that, right? Uh, It's like your podcast. You put your neck out there and sometimes you get your head chopped off and sometimes you don't, right? That's what being vulnerable is. And I think it's really inherently human to want to connect and to, to stick your neck out in that way. This is the way in which I do it. I find it very satisfying. Um, And a handful of other people do and a lot more do not. (laughs) Well, I I think we, we specifically America have a, such a bizarre view on sex 
where it's pushed into our face constantly. We're constantly showing it on TV, on ads. I went in the subway. There was a Budweiser ad of a woman uh, in a bikini, in a waterfall. It's there everywhere. And then when you actually want it, you want the intimacy, you want that stuff, you are told um, you have to find one person. They need to satisfy everything. And if you don't, you don't get it. That's why most people end up cheating. They start with that great concept of that and then can't quite hold up to that that uh, uh, that high level. Now, in other countries, I know uh, specifically European countries, liking sex is not something to be shameful about. It's very open. Um, politicians have mistresses in the open because, hey, they've hit that status. You know, they, they don't have a lot of free time or whatever the situation is. And it's not hidden and pushed under the table and thought as shameful. It's just accepted that we're humans and this is what we are instead of some religious view of what we should be. I absolutely agree with you. I think it's it's tenuous, right? Because for that politician uh, in that example, does his wife like it? Maybe in some cases she's fine with it. Maybe in some cases she's only tolerating it because she has to. And mm -hmm. So if you think about morality, I think the only morality is sort of consent, right? Do no harm if possible. And the hard thing is to assert your needs without infringing upon the needs of another. The idea for so this monogamy thing we've set up, which is very good for raising children, um, it's going to subjugate someone's needs. Like you said, how do you supposed to find one person and that's going to meet all your sexual needs? You're both going to want sex at the same time in the same way. <laughs> You're both going to want to fuck each other for like 30 years, even though it's the same, and never want anybody new. And We're so what are you going to do? You. Thank you, because they don't like the same kink you like, right? You you like anal and they hate it, or you like BDSM and they hate it, or, you know, they got the wrong safe word that's a turnoff for you. I mean, 8 million different... It's, <laughs> it's, an, it's ludicrous to think that somebody, you know is going to be that compatible. That's ludicrous, right? It's going to be that perfect all the time. And so what do couples do? Right. Some people swing, some people, they get in fights and then they make up and that kind of drives some passion. Many people cheat. People sometimes get divorced and marry a new person. And then it's new for a while again, you get all those chemicals again. Uh, I've stayed single because I'm terrified of the whole thing. I don't know how sustainable that'll be. We'll see going forward. It's, yeah, I mean, but on the other hand, pair bonding, at least for a while, is good for raising offspring. There's plenty of data on that stability, sort of having this fantasy of permanent bonding. It is great for offspring that need a lot of care, and human babies do, right? They need a lot of care for many, many years before they're ready to survive. Oh, yeah. So you, you see the same thing in birds, right? They pair bond, and they raise these eggs. They get them, but there's all kinds of shenanigans that go on with birds too. There's tons of cheating. There's tons of, I mean, they're very much like us. And there's, you know, but so maybe Dan Savage coined a term called monogamish, which I thought was really genius. You guys, I assume this is your best friend, right? Your partner in Absolutely. life. You guys are, right, but sometimes you want to fuck somebody new, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> I mean, I like pizza, but I don't want to eat pizza every day for the rest of my life. Right? Absolutely. I mean, and we're just, 
And that's fine. And it doesn't mean you're leaving. It doesn't mean this isn't your person. You're, hey, hold my hand, idiot. We're going to do life together. You can have both, but we're just not ready to talk about that. And that's obviously it's fear-based because the idea that you fuck somebody else, you might actually like that person better and then you might leave. And everyone's afraid of abandonment, right? We're all human. We're all afraid of being abandoned. And good sex can sometimes lead you to think you might rather be with that other person, not just for sex, but for life. And that's very scary to a person that loves you and doesn't want to be abandoned. So I understand what people are afraid of, but I don't think that hiding our heads in the sand and uh, creating an entire society that's full of, like you said, lies that we like sex, but we're terrified of it. And uh, we criminalize some forms of it and socially reward other forms of it. I don't think this is working. It's creating a lot of misery. Um, I think there's got to be a better way. And you referenced some European countries. I mean, I think some countries are navigating this space in wiser ways. Uh, and we could we could take a hint, perhaps, in this country. I think some people are waking up to that. Maybe. We're hoping. We are seeing more of the rise of polyamory a lot. Uh, as well as open relationships. Mm -hmm. But just going back, um, we like to relate a lot of things to food. I'm Italian. Everything gets related to food. So <laughs> Sounds good. I had to tell someone, I said, okay, you, imagine instead of marrying someone and only being able to have sex with that one person, imagine only being able to eat the foods that you both like. So if they don't like apple pie and you love apple pie, you're sure. married. Apple pie's off the table. Yep. And everyone said, hell no. Yes. Of course. Or only being able to eat when they're hungry. Oh. Yeah. You can only have any food yeah. when you're both hungry. Yeah. If you're hungry, they're not, you starve. Good yeah. luck. How's that, how long is that going to last? And I believe that sex, for some people, is just a real physical need. Mm -hmm. It's not always about love and intimacy. It can be. But some people they just want to get off and then go to work and start their day and they feel more ready to tackle the world or they want to get off before they fall asleep. Or sometimes it's not, sometimes it's as physical of a need as thirst or hunger. And to deny somebody that, I think it's cruel. I think it's really cruel. I mean, in Holland, they give vouchers to some of the um, physically disabled people to be able to visit sex workers because they understand that those people have less access to sexual partners. And that it is a human need and that giving them access to some of the girls in the red light area is a way for them to receive human touch, sexual and non-sexual. They view it as sort of a, yeah, a humanity issue. And it would be, in, they think it would be insane to deny people that. I think that's so evolved compared to how we are in this country. Oh, completely there. Absolutely. And so in Holland, sex work is very widely acceptable. Like you said, there's a red light district for that. And so how is that, you know, different from over here, especially when it comes to activism? So um, what I know a little bit about, so right, it's decriminalized there. It's not without its problems. It is an industry and it's got labor issues just like any other industry. So there are bad actors, there are abusers, there are like men who run the little red light district apartments and if you don't do what they want, they up your rent or evict you and they use their leverage to either get sex or get money or there's bad actors like there are in the clothing business and in agriculture and in tech Every companies. Business. Yeah. Right. So but but they address these as labor issues. 
which I think is the correct way to address them. They don't criminalize it, drive it underground and let bad actors have even more power, which is what happens when you criminalize something. There's no way for workers to go after bad actors because they're petrified of, of uh, having problems with law enforcement or legality themselves. So they let the abuses run wild with this. That's what happens always. It happens in the drugs with the drugs and it happens with when prohibition, when we tried that in America. So criminalization does not work. We already, we already know that. So they address it differently, but they continue to have problems. Um, Australia, uh, not every province, state, sorry, not every district in Australia has decriminalized it, but the one where Sydney is have, is that New South Wales, Queensland? Forgive me, I've forgotten the name. But Queensland. Queensland, yeah. I yeah. think. Can't be for sure. We'll, we'll be there next year. Right, we'll where Sydney is. Oh, I'm jealous. Are you going? Yes, they're going for You're... a wedding, and one of our friends is getting married. So, oh, yeah. I'm jealous. Excited. Have fun. Send pictures. I'm jealous. But yeah, so they've done it, and they do. They continue to have sort of labor issues, as does Canada. But, um, but they're at least trying to address it, and they're realizing that criminalization uh, just makes everything worse. So the problem is, as we were talking about in the beginning, is norm enforcement. The, the psychological leap it takes to view something as a real industry uh, when it hasn't been is very difficult, right? Um, weed had a long struggle to become legal. It's still not there federally in this country. Uh, there's, you know, I think these, these things take a lot of time for the culture shift and Sex is a very special thing in America, whether, as you touched on, it's because of religion or just general discomfort. I think we could get there, but uh, some people fight it real hard. Um, yep. so I don't know yeah. if I'll ever live to see it, right? <laughs> even, even polyamory and open relationships. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that you have to be careful who you tell right when you meet them, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. There. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll continue on with the sex work, activism, and more, so. Be right back. Hey, John, I want to get a new toy. Okay, so let's go to Fair Villa. But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what. Well, there's Fair Villa University, and their staff is very well educated and helpful. Okay, but how about if I just want to go to a party instead? Then go to their website, because on their calendar they list all their events. But I don't want to spend a lot of money. Have you heard of their loyalty program? Oh yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it. That's the one. Let's go. Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fair, Fair Villa. Villa. For, For pleasure, pleasure, fun, fun and, and fantasy. fantasy. Oh. <laughs> Thanks everyone. We're back here with Amy Taylor. Now we're going to be talking about sex work activism, which it's kind of interesting how you were saying um, in Holland that they were having labor laws when it comes to sex work, which I found out a couple of years ago, only in the United States, we different sex work and labor laws, completely different. While the rest of the world does have sex work under labor laws. Well, they also put together sex work and sex trafficking. It's all the same to them, which means if you're, you know, kidnapped, underage, and forced to do something, they treat it no differently than if you're a full-grown adult conducting your own business, providing a service, which is obviously not just physically, but emotionally needed. And consensual versus trafficking. 
Yeah. Well, so if we're going to talk about coercion, everyone is coerced to do their job because everybody does their job because they like food and shelter, right? People like money. So, but when the job is sex, there it takes a special place, right? So it it's intersectional also. It relates to the idea that women sort of get fucked and that when women have sex, they can't possibly be wanting it because women are sort of these saintly creatures that, you know, if they have sex, it's that they give it and reluctantly because we're these little delicate flowers. And um, and if you're sort of a woman who has agency and fucks when she wants, who she wants, how she wants, for the reasons she wants, that you're some sort of weird nymphomaniac, witch, harlot who should be burned at the stake and you're a weirdo. And like, look, let me tell you, every girl's had a whore phase. Like, Every woman who then becomes a saint and delivers babies and becomes a mom and is going, taking her kids to preschool and then being PTA president, she fucked a dude on spring break in the bathroom <laughs> when she was 20 years younger. Everybody did it, but we don't tell, I mean, we don't tell our husbands because there's a certain fear of the, the hoe, the woman who fucks, who behaves like a man, right? In right. Whether, whether that's in power grabbing ways, she wants to work, she wants to make money or she wants to fuck like a man. Mm -hmm. There's a real fear of, and I think it speaks to gender fluidity, the same way we have a fear of men who have feminine traits, right? What's wrong with that guy who wants to wear some makeup or wear a skirt or heels? What's wrong with that woman who wants to fuck around and be a player? That's for men, that's not for girls to do, right? What's wrong with that woman who wants money? Why doesn't she just go and stay home and let her man earn and provide for her, right? There's, I think, it speaks to gender norms and we are really uncomfortable with that which upsets the apple cart. Societies are e easier to govern and control if we know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, you have women running around doing what we want. Well, we got to burn them because that can't happen. Right. You guys, you it, can't, I mean, <laughs> it threatens the toxic masculinity that's out there, which was a very weird term when it first came out. Sorry, go ahead. No, I agree with you. And also toxic femininity, that women have to be a certain way and that only certain types of women are acceptable. I think gender roles are all toxic. Do what you want. Fuck who you want. Wear what you want. But that would be, then we'd have to be a lot more tolerant, right? And people are scared of that. I don't know what's so scary, but it is to people, right? When we see something weird, we don't like it, right? We just, eh, what is that? Well, and uh, I'm sorry. No, please. We've heard the rise of the term feminist, feminist porn, feminist. And before I started getting educated in all this, my thought was what I think of a feminist because it was on the news. And my, you know, your parents told you, which was a very angry lesbian. And, you know, that was the classic. And still so many Americans hear that. And nowadays, you know, once you get past that, it has nothing to do with putting down men. It's not men hating dykes. It's just women having power and, 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 you know, still people are threatened by that. Yeah. I had a client who said, if women have their own money, what will they need us men for? And that just about broke my heart. Oh, I could so scary that, Well, and does he really think no women don't like him? He's lovely and funny and brilliant and cute and, I wanted to grab him and say, there's so much else you bring to the table besides all money. And yeah, you have that and that's cool. But if you, if you lost it all tomorrow, you'd still be brilliant and funny and nice and interesting. And women would still like you. Don't be, don't worry. 
And women still want dick. Don't worry. We get horny too. We still want your penises. Maybe we don't want all the pictures of them on when we didn't ask, no. but yeah. <laughs> but right. I mean, it's as usual, it's fear-based. It's always fear-based. It's it's that I know this world, maybe I don't like it, but it's the world I know and it's safer than trying to get to know a new world, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure have you ever met people when you told them that you had an open relationship? They got really freaked out. Does that happen to you? Oh. All, All the, the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Open relationships, swinger, bisexuality, um, kink. I mean, the whole nine yards goes into it. And it's just like, I kind of look at them and I'm like, what's wrong? It's not like we're going to convert you. I am not going to be like that. Yes. You know, we don't, don't recruit. Yeah. We don't recruit. Knocking on the door and it's like, hey, have you met my Satan follower? You know, we show up a picture of a, you know, a, a what do you call it? A, a gimp? A, no, a cock. <laughs> you know, a rooster cock. It's like, here is our savior. It's like, there is your cock pick right there. A nice little rooster. <laughs> like, well, and did you, when they get so uncomfortable, did you feel the fear? You can feel it, right? Oh, you can smell it. You're very afraid. <laughs> yep. And don't you, they're often afraid of their own fascination, their own interests, their own little Jungian dark side of, I wish I could do that. I want to do that. But I'm scared to let the dam break. And so maybe if I just don't ever do it and I instead hate that, yeah, I'll be well, safer, right? Oh, exactly. But even in that term, we also teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex. And that right. question of like, hey, why don't I pay you to talk to my child? And I'm like, no, let's help you because you're having some issues even communicating to your partner about sex. So you're already uncomfortable about sex. What's going to make a child come up to you and talk about it when they can smell it from you that you're like, nope, I'm scared. I'm not going to talk about this. So... It starts at all ages. Well, there's a lot of trauma about sex that people have from their own childhoods, whatever weird stuff they've been through. A lot of families got the creepy uncle kind of thing. There's a lot of trauma in a lot of families. And we're not talking about that stuff either. Why people are so uncomfortable about sex. Why are they? I think it's because of a lot of what's happened to people and they've been through. It's more common than anyone's admitting. That said, right, then kids are learning about sex from porn. And then sex work activists and activists are being seen as some kind of deviant, yeah, like I said, witches when, look, everyone's having sex. You go outside today, everyone out there, they're fucking, right? It's something everyone does, and yet we're very weird about it. And so we put it in this weird box because of fear, and that causes more damage. Like when kids aren't being able, their parents aren't talking to them about how to have healthy sex. And, you know... I've known people that they've no skill, a ton of fear. They're wondering why they've got a miserable sex life because nobody ever, the information was never out there. I'm hoping people like you guys are changing that, but um, we have to get a lot more honest because they are afraid of what the cost of telling the truth is. And I am afraid of what the cost of lies are. Right. Cause oh, absolutely. We're, we're stigma we're paying a really high cost for our desire to lie about sex on every level. We're paying a really hard cost. Us activism, you know, we're watching when they passed FESTA and FOSTA, there are people in sex work that died because of that. When they shut down their, uh, their sites where they could communicate about who was a murderer Mm -hmm. and they shut down their places where they could communicate with each other. They went back onto the streets because that was the way they could buy food that night. And some of them died. 
Now, maybe nobody cares, but, you know, there are real consequences to to lies. And if you're if it's worth it to inform social norms, if it's worth the cost of life, which I'm terrified that for some people it's worth because sex workers are disposable victims and fuck them anyway, let them all die. Well, that's I mean, a world I can't really reconcile because these are human beings. Right. Oh, also, they're they're overlapping with your husbands and wives. So, you know, the system is not a closed system. So the some of the data on transgender street workers, street-based sex workers, uh, the HIV rates, some of them are very high and uh, they all have customers. And uh, so there's a lot of overlap with your uh, uh, your husband who's coming home. So perhaps you want perhaps you want to lie less and get honest more because it might it, the life it might save might be your own, actually. Um well, you're out in California, and I know your state is proudly one of the leaders in uh, the fight to legalize sex work, as I understand it. Decriminalize. Decriminalize. There's no legalize yet. We're decriminalizing. So careful with the verbiage. Sorry, I'm very into that. No. No, I agree. There's, it's an important, discrimina- uh, it's an important uh, differentiation between those two words, which a lot of people think are sort of the same decriminalization right legalization comes with a lot of red tape and a lot of tech work sex workers don't want that because it would probably look like the brothel model and in the brothel model there's a lot of it's ripe for abuses um so a lot of most sex workers would be prefer decriminalization to legalization i think both would probably be better than what we have now but that's subject for debate within and without the community um but right in california um we have a measure on the ballot for the Cal Dems to support. Um, we are trying to at least make some headway that sex, sex workers, with, when arrested, they cannot use um, the possession of condoms as evidence, uh, which is what they do now. And the reason we don't want that is because what happens is then uh, sex workers, particularly like street-based ones, they do not use condoms because they don't want to have them on their person. And uh, and then that increases disease transmission. And so for the protection of communities, you don't want to punish people for trying to be safe, even in an imperfect world. Back to what you're talking about, though, there's the world that you wish was, the utopia, and then there's the world that is. And uh, we think that laws should work with the world that is. So we'll see about this ballot, but it's an effort. Um, some other states, Rhode Island is doing a study on what it would look like to decriminalize sex work. New York has a couple of bills um, to try to, uh, one of them is to, go back and erase the records of um, uh, sex workers that have been convicted because we find out that when you get convicted of that crime, it becomes virtually impossible to work in the normal world. You suffer a lot of discrimination. And so guess what? You just created a person who's going to stay in this world. (laughs) There's no way out. uh, No, of course not. Once you can't get, you can't rent, you can't get a job, you're branded sort of a sex criminal. And we've talked about how uncomfortable Americans are with sex. Uh, you are going to be pariahed, basically. So um, your life is going to be very difficult. And so what are you probably going to do? You're probably just going to stay in sex work and try to survive that way. So if you want to, if you really want to minimize the harm done by sex work, then you have to um, address that issue. So we'll see what happens in the state of New York. So I'm proud of them for being so progressive and uh, and at least trying. So a couple of um, presidential candidates, uh potentials have come out saying that we should really look at decriminalization as a real solution we've got as we've talked about other countries that have got some pretty smart methods and different ways to maybe do it better 
So um, we we might be getting there. I don't know. On the other hand, Florida has gone backwards. They want to put, yeah, no, yes. they're cracked. They're making it worse than ever. They're putting pictures in the paper of uh, uh, if you've even been arrested, which I can't believe that's legal because we're supposed to have a presumption of innocence in this country. Yeah, innocent until proven guilty. Sheriff. Yeah, we, we know the Pope County Sheriff. He's only like one really? county away from us. So, yeah. He's a nutshell. Well, right. You, oh, boy. Well, I mean, you put somebody's picture in the paper, you've really ruined their life yeah. for a while, at least. And uh, that I can't, I think it's shameful to do that to somebody before they've had a, the opportunity for a trial. Um, and I get what they're doing. They're using shame and stigma to think that they will mold behavior into the behaviors that they want. Not only will they not be able to do that, but the harms they'll be causing uh, will not be worth it. But this is norm enforcement, right? This is just, this is, you know. But they've, throughout history, it's been proven wrong. Prohibition. You know, that just led to a rise in crime until they got rid of that. Uh, they legalized Colorado. I commend them for the first one to legalize marijuana. And they're still having problems with, with money issues because they can't deposit their money into a federal account because federally, uh, again, drug trade is still illegal. So, yeah, they're right. still having it's problems. cash only because even the credit card companies cannot accept the transactions because they're um, under federal umbrellas. So everything. So that must make it right for them to get robbed if they've got all this cash and horrible things that happen as a result of that. Right. So if they find out their presumption is wrong and the legalization will actually do good things because they do have a great education system now out in Colorado, they've been gotten so many millions more than that, then they go ahead and twist other laws to make sure you know, to make it as difficult as possible for that. Now, I actually talked with some, I will say, some older uh, Fox News watching people. And it was really hysterical because uh, I asked them, you know, what they think about Colorado. And they're like, oh, my God, the crime's gone up. And, and it, everything they said is what you would want to hear if you had their point of view. And nothing was the truth. And I'm like, well, where, where did, did they find... hear this? Fox News. Fox News. Yeah, sure. Sharia laws come into suburban Cleveland. Watch, hide your grandkids, Grandpa. <laughs> yep. And it's those fear lies that these stations use to put it in the heads of the people who are susceptible already that cause basically fear-mongering and ratings for them. Well, think about it. If you've had a system that was entrenched for your hegemony and your power and you've lived that way for 75 years and things have been pretty damn good for you, why would you want change? Change is hard. Change is scary. You would not want it, right? Nope. You'd want things to... And if you're really old now and you don't recognize the world around you and it looks weird and there's this, all these young people doing the Snapchat and there's, there's weed smoking in Colorado and you're becoming less and less relevant and you're sitting at home just getting angrier and you don't feel physically good and you're not getting laid anymore and you, you probably crave a time gone by, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm probably going to crave the past in a few decades. I'm probably getting there. I'm going to miss the old. And so that inherent conservatism, conserving the past, is I think it's from a longing for the past and when maybe life was more fun for you as you head towards death. And uh, also a desire to keep things in place that, that were set up to make your life nice, right? Yeah. I think... Yeah, the, it's hegemony, right? Why you wouldn't want change? I think 
I'm surprised how many men are threatened by women wanting to have our own money that they think that that's going to really, what do they think? They're not going to get sex anymore. They're still going to, <laughs> it's going to be fine. They need and, a little more confidence. Well, no, because it's always gone and back I, in time that it's always sex and money. That's what man has power, sex and money. Well, and I think I have girlfriends who are really threatened by these guys now that don't really want to get married. We have a lot of men in LA who are like, hey, I can have kids when I'm 70. I'm going to get married when I'm 60. <laughs> and, you know, can you blame them? Why, why not have a bunch of fun for a long time? Everybody's living to be 100. You don't need to get married at 18 anymore. Mm-mm. Like, that's why, that's why plural marriage, polyamory is so popular because now you get married and you stay married for 50, 60 years. That's too long, right? Well, it was, um, used to be you got married. At... A little story. Um, have you heard of the villages? Florida. Yes. yes. It is a town slash retirement community. Very large. It's uh, somewhere between Orlando and uh, Gainesville. Uh, Gainesville. And a few years okay. ago, it came out that there was an STD outbreak. Because when you're 70, you're really not worried about something that's going to kill you in 20, 30 years. You know? And they had to have people come in and start teaching safe sex practices because people who haven't had sex in years go to a community. Now they're socializing with people their age. They're widows. They're, they're widowers or widows. And yep, grandpa and grandma are having some fun. And uh, and you don't wear condoms because nobody's getting pregnant. Right. And no one expects to live grandpa. much longer. Yeah. That is hilarious. Did they get a handle on it or is grandma and grandpa getting it's gonorrhea now? Partially it's, taken yeah, care it's, of. It's, it's, it's almost there. Yeah, not totally. But yeah, we just kind of laugh and giggle. We're like, yep. Even old That's people awesome. said. Well, when you remove well, all that social worry that they don't have to act like they're expected, they don't have to, they're, they're actually not with their families, so they don't have this role to be, well, we revert to having fun for ourselves. That's very interesting. So sort of conservative behavior is not inherent to them either. Maybe they're doing it because of what society expects of them as well. That's, I never thought about that. Good for them. I hope they're all having orgies. Get it, Grandpa. Well, Grandma, go get you, get you some. In about 40 years, I know my future. But we're <laughs> going to take just a quick break, and then we're going to be back to talk a little bit more. Hey, honey, you know those new toys I wanted to try out? Yes. The ones that you said going to cost me way too much money to have? Oh, yes. But I found this new service called kinkcrate.com. Sounds interesting. Yeah, and for $50 a month, they send you a box of toys that are worth anywhere from $75 to $100. And it's like great starter kit. Like, you know, that rope play we wanted to try or your favorite medical play. So wh- why don't we just go check it out? I heard if you go to livingasexpositivelife.com's sponsor page, they can get you an additional 33% off. Oh, see, it's such a steal, babe. Come on, 33% off our first box, please. All right, and we're back. Now we're talking our favorite subject, stigma. Yay! Because we're never stigmatized. Oh, yeah, no. Bisexual male, never. How much discrimination have we gone through, baby? Well, for me, um, the men that I date tell me to just uh, wake up, um, deal with my own feelings, and divorce my wife because that's the more fun side. And uh, other people, the straight people, basically say, but you're married. I'm like, the, but I'm still bisexual, but you're married. Like, okay, whatever. 
it, it, it's just, you know, just because you like something when you get married doesn't mean you don't like it. Some people choose monogamy and choose not to participate in it, while others, you know, choose to go ahead and have an open marriage and explore it. But the fact that that want would disappear is interesting, to say the least. They can't compute when they keep going, but you're married? Like, they can't get there? Nope. Yep. They can't figure Wow. You got to remember, Florida That's is stuck. right on the Bible, right in the shining buckle of the Bible belt. So. No, I mean, you said it. I don't, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have it here, too. I mean, pockets of no state is all is all one way, right? No. So, can I ask, did you always know that your desire, I mean, at puberty or whenever you started having sexual desires, did you know that you were different than what people talked about as being the mainstream? And how was that, if so? Um, I'll say from the time I bought my first Playboy and snuck it in my uh, bag and brought it home and looked at it in my room, uh, I, I knew I was a pervert. I knew that right off the bat. I, lo I, I love sex, and that was, you know, 13. Same. But um, growing up, <laughs> I, I grew up in an all-boys Catholic, uh, a Catholic grammar school and then an all-boys Catholic high school. So the concept of being bisexual really wasn't even an option for me at that point in the sense that I didn't even think about it there was there was gay and we had a few of those uh a very small I'm talking about out of like 400 maybe two and then there was the rest of us and oh you had more they were just lying but yeah, yeah exactly probably <laughs> we, we had yeah. to come back to the reunion to find out <laughs> good and for you did you find out you were bi? Because, I mean, women are gorgeous. Who's, what woman doesn't like women? They're, we're stunning. But exactly. was it, have you suffered? Like, have people, or do you just say, this is who I am? And My first marriage was an abusive marriage. So my ex-husband <laughs> did not accept it when I told him. He locked me in the closet for a day, hopefully to get it out of me. So, yeah, seriously. Jesus. Yeah. I'm glad that's an ex. Yeah, that's an ex. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's why after that, I decided to stay single for 10 years. So I was single for a long time because I'm like, if you can't accept the bisexuality and don't be expecting me to do like a little puppet show, like automatically go make out with a girl and have them like, no, it's like, I know what I want, but I'm not going to do it on demand. And it's like, mm. ugh. but I just, I felt bad because in the news recently, these two uh, lesbian women got beat up in London. Okay. For the, okay. the, the same thing that they just like they oh, on perform. a dance. they wouldn't perform on command. Yeah, it must be really nice to have each other as a sort of anchor in the sea mm -hmm. in this country in your state. Yeah, I envy that because I, I I have my couple of friends, but um, I don't have a spouse. I would love someday, hopefully soon, to find somebody to spend the rest of my years with that can be okay with who I am and. Mm -hmm as it fades in the past, who I have been, as I become something else, I I worry that I never find it because, right, the stigma thing, you can say it doesn't get to you, but it does oh, yeah. because your choices are to either lie and then you're having to live in the closet. You know, the LGBT community knows how that was. It doesn't work. It, it's going to come out in other ways or to try to tell the truth and suffer. I've lost friends. My family didn't speak to me for two years when I got outed. Uh, we talk now, but they don't support it. So we just kind of don't talk about it. They're never going to get there. I love them. They love me. It is what it is. That's the best you but can hope for some days. I'm luckier than some. Some, I mean, 
look, a lot of sex work starts from um, uh, teenagers coming out of the closet and getting kicked out of their home. And they end up on the streets and they have no other way to feed themselves other than to engage in sex work. So, again, these things are intersectional. We see in sex work, a lot of it starts with the family being unable to accept the teen for who they really are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's shameful and it causes death and mayhem and all that just because people can't get there. It's painful to live in a world of stigma. It causes, you know, you can only tell the world so often that you don't care what they think of you. It's a lie. Of course you do. We all do. And I see in sex work girls internalizing it, that trauma and having low self-esteem. There's plenty of academic data on this, what it does to people and just the trauma. And even rescue workers, they further the trauma when they try to save because then you're telling somebody they need saving, right? Yeah. Instead of you could tell people they have agency. I'm happy being polyamorous. I've heard them say in polyamorous couples that one is doing it for the other be- to try to keep them happy. And I think that's so dismissive and so fucked up, right? That you couldn't possibly have agency and be okay with your choices as a person, right? Because many of us are. I'm okay. Don't tell me what's not okay for me, right? Exactly. So, But it's so hard. Yeah. Um, and usually what we tell I think, a lot of couples that we coach, it's like, there is no set, you know, formula. It's whatever works for you and whatever is acceptable. And you, that's what you need to work with. And that's how you get rid of a lot of stigma because you're not going to be the same as Paul and Mary when you have Jack, Jill and Jerry all together. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, yeah. Polyamory is not a monolith, right? There's no. different. Yeah, I've heard. It's it's incredibly diverse within, right? Mm-hmm. So many yeah. different layers because even in polyamory, some people are swingers, some people are into BDSM, some people are into power exchange. There's so many different layers in the kink community of how to make the relationship work, which is like a big stigma because they're just like, but it's supposed to be like this, A, B, and C. And I'm like, no, it could be A through Z and more. It all depends on how you work it and how you do it because polyamory is relationships based on emotions. doesn't necessarily have to be physical because I know someone who has 13 polyamory partners there and a couple of them are not sexual. They're just emotional connection. Oh, that's sort of nice. That's easily as intimate, right? Mm -hmm. It's Yeah, I think it's, it's... I think polyamory and BDSM have a lot to teach about um, the path sex work activism would like to be on in fighting stigma because these are, polyamory and BDSM are so very evolved about consent, right? There's a willingness because you have to be when you're asking somebody, here's my stuff. This, this is what I want. Do you like me? <laughs> you, you have to get very clear on consent. Certainly BDSM, right? You're caning somebody. You better understand what's cool and what's not cool. And I think they are at the very edge of getting more honest via consent and via, you know, I've been to dungeons and it's wonderful that you talk about your hard limits and your soft limits. And I wish that could sort of happen in a lot of areas of life, right? And with the knowledge that they can change, you can want something different. Yeah, and and they've sort of, I don't know how the BDSM community did it where they just jumped out of the box and said, Hey, this is us. Maybe they, because they don't have the legal fight. So they're able to, 
we do, but we can um, because I'm very heavy into, into BDSM, uh, impact play, fire play, uh, stuff like that. Oh. And um, the stuff we do is inherently dangerous in some aspects of it. And uh, there was a case up in Ohio where a nosy neighbor called the police because they heard, uh, you know, ruckus next door. The cops came. The wife answered the door, put the husband behind her and said, oh, no, we were just having a scene. You know, he bruised my butt and flogged me or whatever. And they said, OK, and arrested him because they're in Ohio at that time there. You cannot consent to being hit. There's several states like that that have that law. You cannot consent to being hit. So they don't believe it's real consent or no, no, no. Doesn't matter. Even if you consent, they believe Even you consented. It's not. So you just can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's laws like that that I know are in some states, not not a lot, thankfully. But we've had to become very apprised of the law that when I go traveling, I go on vacation somewhere. What I I have to curtail uh, uh, curtail what I do because it may not be legal in that state now. Right. Wow. Cannot consent to being hit. I don't understand how that law got. Okay, I would. I'll have to read about that because that seems insane. Yeah, there's yes. a lot that denies that denies people their agency. Yep. Much like in sex work, assuming all, especially female sex workers, are all victims, mm-hmm. it denies, it infantilizes, and desires the spanky or the cane. I'm asked to be cane. I liked it. I knew exactly what I was asking for. I've caned other people. They knew what they wanted, right? I mean, yeah. I I reject that completely. That you cannot consent to being hit. That's uh, that's wrong. Is that that law is off the books now? I hope. No, it's in the process of being um, looked at and reviewed because the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom. That's what they do as an organization. They look to fight laws like that to have a lot more consent and also have a written law of what consent is because it's different from state to state too. So they're trying to make it into a national, um, this is what it is. This is what it says. Good. Well, I hope they, I hope they um, keep up the fight. Yeah. It seems so strange that people can't see that somebody might like something different than you. Why is that so hard for us as humans? Why do we judge so much? I like to so we make things bipolar, just like our government does. It's right or wrong. It's this is Black the right white, way. Yep. And there's so many yeah. levels of gray. Not that I'm quoting that book ever. <laughs> that was it was badly written, just badly written. Which is probably why it was so popular because it was like a third grade reading level. But I watched the movie. I only watched the movie. It was terrible, but they were both gorgeous. So yes, I didn't mind. Were. I didn't mind just looking at them because they were both super hot. Why not? It was not in my Citizen Kane. You what? Wait. What? I got kicked out of the movie theater because I was laughing so hard. Oh, nice. Because it was obviously rubbish, right? The oh. dialogue alone. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the whole oh. everything. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like, it should be classified as a comedy romance movie, not like a drama. Right? Yeah. Right? Rubbish. Well, but that's the race to the bottom in entertainment, right? And that's probably why it appealed to the masses because it was so, it was so like a milk toast, right? As but, much as yeah, I hate it, it, it's open the conversation. So when people which see is good, that, yeah, when people see that I have a flogger on my wall or I have a picture of me and I'm in a kilt and a top hat and I'm flogging someone, it's no longer God. What are you doing? 
they're like, oh, okay, you're into that. I guarantee a lot of women are like, hey, what's that? And men. Well, you know, and yeah, the, that uh, I, I've met men over the years who are very bi-curious and they're so stuck in what you coined earlier, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. that they, some of them pitifully will never go ahead and let themselves live and enjoy that because they can't get there. And they're still in a box that that's not, they shouldn't and it's unavailable to them. And I find that heartbreaking because, you know, sexual desire is fluid. We all know that it is for most, almost all animals, including us. And um, it's only these defined gender roles that don't let that happen. Stigma, right? And Mm -hmm. particularly for men who'd like to explore bisexuality, I think women are more permitted, right? Right. We are sort of more more allowed. Yeah, and I find that really shameful, right? Because I've seen and known a lot of men are still living in the closet about all that stuff. And I think it's terrible. I think stigma, I don't know. It's I'm a moral relativist, obviously. And I just wish people could could enjoy the diversity of human experience and human desire. But uh, they don't seem to quite be able to. They want to just... They want what is easy to understand. And uh, I find that such a boring world, right? It would be, it's so boring when everything's, when there's a lack of diversity. I don't, uh, but we have that dark side, which likes to judge, right? I hate that sex workers are sort of these disposable victims. I hate that killing hookers is a joke. I, uh, you know, the CDC estimates there's 1 million sex workers in the U.S. at any given time. So that's what? one out of every 150 women or so that's a lot of people mm-hmm. so most people probably know a sex worker even if they don't know it and uh it's not funny to talk about killing them because you don't like it that you know women might want to fuck on their own terms and that women might not be saintly and virginal that's it's not funny to talk about killing people for that no of course not and actually it wasn't until we've interviewed a few um call girls that um, the police came up and they talked about their experiences in dealing with the police. How, because they're dressed this way, because they're doing this, they're immediately dismissed. They're immediately not believed. And when they go ahead and report a rape, we know someone who was arrested for it because they came at her saying, well, why were you there? Why didn't you know this guy? All this stuff and turned the blame on her, not the rapist. And that's so backwards. Well, it's fear-based also. If you can say that she brought it on herself, then you can say it, it wouldn't happen to me because I don't do Women do that. When you are a victim of rape, a lot of women, your own friends, your own colleagues, will start saying, well, what did you do? And the re- what they're trying to do is feel safer in their own mind, that if you did something that caused this, then I, another woman... I'm safe because I wouldn't do that. And therefore what happened to her won't happen to me. So um, it's sort of a very animal thing of attacking your own, attacking the weak wolf in the, in the pack, because then it won't happen to me. Right. Right. It's disgusting. And what gets me aggravated also with that, because our, our daughter is a survivor, sex abuse survivor. And when we were at the child advocacy office, I saw a seven year old girl being ripped apart with those same words by her grandmother. And we're in Florida. It is hot as hell here. And she was wearing a tank top and shorts. 
And her grandmother said, because you wore that is because that that's what happened to you, that you were sexually abused because of that. She was yeah. seven years old. She cannot buy her own clothes. It is hard care. So that's where I kind of, when I hear that with women saying that to other women, I'm like, no, you always say that to everybody because that girl was only seven and she was sexually assaulted being in the hot Florida weather wearing the same exact outfit an adult was wearing. You should be able to wear whatever you want and people yeah. should still control their gen their genitals and not rape you. Yeah. If you walk down the street naked, you're still not supposed to be raped. And her grandmother learned that. Somebody told her grandmother that, right? So this is what her grandmother believed. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a place of love. She's trying to help that seven-year-old cover mm -hmm. yourself up and you'll be safe. But it's, but it's wrong and yeah. it's hateful. Yeah. But the grandma's trying to use the only knowledge she has, which is if you you know, cover yourself, you'll be safe. Right? right. But this is not the world. I don't think this is the world we want to live in. And I was hoping progressive society was moving toward a world where you could have more pluralism, more diversity, more tolerance. You could see somebody who has a lifestyle different from your own. You could be like, okay, that's cool. Maybe I don't want to do that, but I don't care. But I don't know if we're moving that way. It seems frightening to me that we might be going the other way. I mean, we'll see, I guess. I think activism has to remain because you have to hold the line, right? Mm -hmm. You have to hold the line. I don't want to go back in the closet. Like I don't want it to be the 1960s where everybody had to drink a bottle of wine just to get through the day. Cause you could never be yourself. I don't, I don't want that world. I don't think anybody does. I hope. I don't think so. Like, how are some ways that, you know, regular vanillas or people who are not in sex work can participate and be an activist? Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you're in one of these um, states that's got um, research studies or ballots on the measure, you can find your local legislator and call their office and ask them to support these bills. Finding your local legislator is just a matter of Googling like your zip code and find your legislator. And there's websites that'll tell you who your person is. Calling their office is better than sending letters and emails. Um, and you just say, I'm calling and I'm a, I'm a resident of this, uh, this your district. And I'm asking you to support this bill. You can also get involved with SWOP, Sex Workers Outreach Project. There are chapters all over the world. And um, they often have a lot of things going on if people want to get involved. Um, and you can speak out. You can uncloset. You can go ahead and say that you support decriminalization or legalization if you do. Or get involved in the discussion. We still have free speech for now. For so now. <laughs> you can, yeah. So, you know, just going ahead and talking about it, you know, a lot of sex workers are on social media, get to know some, they got pictures of their kids and their dogs and their yoga and their human beings. Like, I guarantee you probably love somebody who is or has been a sex worker. So mm -hmm. you can get involved just by speaking out and right yeah. and getting to know the humanity of um, the different types of lifestyles that are out there. Um, because that will curb some of your own trepidation and your own fear. And, uh, and you might find that when you share more love and less fear, the world gets really beautiful. It really, I promise you, it really does. Fear is never, ever the way. It isn't. No. Um, so, yeah, look online. I would suggest talking to the SWAP. Uh, you can just Google SWOP and where you are, and you'll find a chapter. Everybody, they're on the old Instagram and the Twitter, and, you know. They're everywhere. You just got to look for them. <laughs> and speaking yeah. of if people wanted to follow you on Instagram and Twitter, you're out there as well. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah, come say hi. Um, it's at Amy Taylor one 
I couldn't get the Amy Taylor. I don't know who has it. Someone. Um, that's my Twitter, Amy Taylor one. And I'm also on Instagram, Amy Taylor LA. Cause that's where I live. So yeah, come say hi. I'm around. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate that. Thanks for coming. It on. was an honor. Was thank you. Keep doing what you guys are doing. It's really, it's, um, it's beautiful that you have this podcast sharing your lifestyle. The stories need to be told. The humanity you're bringing, it's important. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show tonight. You can find us on our webpage, livingasexpositivelife.com, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on Living a Sex Positive Life, where you follow all our stories and adventures. You can find me on all social media as Miss Angelique Luna. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter as John C. Luna. Please reach out and let us know how we're doing. Please like, share all our contents, leave your opinions, comments, complaints. We accept it all. But we also like to thank our sponsor, The Woodshed. You can find them on their webpage, thewoodshedorlando.com. And they're also on FetLife and Facebook, where you could see a lot of their events and promotions going on. So thank you very much for uh, joining tonight. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.